This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at DigitalOcean.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Elixir Mix podcast. This week on our panel, we have Mark Erickson. Hello. Josh Adams. Hey there. I'm Charles Max Wood from DevChat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, uh, and that's Vitaly. I'm going to let you tell us how to say your last name. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah, it's Vitaly Tatarinsov. Oh, oh, that's all. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm backend developer, and I'm still working with Ruby. Uh, yes, not Elixir, and uh, but I'm learning Elixir, and uh, I would say I'm pretty new to Elixir. I've just started maybe half a year ago, and I've started combining it with writing blog posts about how to learn Elixir and stuff. So it kind of helps me to memorize it better, and uh, if I can help someone <laughs> in the community to learn something. For me so i think it's great and uh, yeah i live in, in berlin germany yeah i work at a company called bubble uh, we are platform for learning languages and we use ruby most of the time we are thinking to start using elixir but we would like to try for uh, some small projects to see how it will go but we are not using it yet very cool. Well, we brought John to talk about property-based testing, and I was wondering if you could just give him give us just a brief uh, introduction to what that is and and how to think about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, I've I've heard for first time about property-based testing on a recent Elixir conference in Europe, which was uh, this April, and uh, it was kind of surprising for me to hear this topic when. When you have a bunch of experience in software development, you usually don't expect to hear new things. You probably heard something, uh, those things before. But uh, at this conference, when we start uh, saying about this property-based testing, it was for me like, wow, it's a new thing. I never heard about this. So basically, it's it's a kind of tests where you define the properties and you define uh, laws or rules which will be true for these properties. For example, if you are trying to test, to find the substring in the string, you can, so basically the framework of property-based testing helps you to generate this random data, which you use in those tests. And so it, it, the framework runs those tests for you like hundreds of times and try to find like a corner cases which you probably don't think of when you write unit tests. So a framework tries to find these failing tests, and once it, it uh, finds it, it uh, tries to, to reduce the amount of... It, it tries to shrink this uh, result to provide you a least possible result to find why your function is not working. For example, if, if we have a function which sorts the list of elements, it's much easier to see on the smaller list, but uh, as well as are not sorted. 
comparing to much uh, larger lists. Let's say so. So let me see if I understand this. Um, so property-based testing is essentially that you run a bunch of random data through it to see if you can find any edge cases that don't work. Yes. So for example, if you if you're looking for substring inside the string, it doesn't matter. Are you uh, trying to find like foo in a foo bar string? Uh huh. So pr property this framework allows you to generate different kind of strings, and then you can use those uh, random values to check if this random value inside uh, the string. Awesome. So, so are there tools for this, or is there just uh, sort of approach to this that people take? There is a bunch of, of tools, not only in Elixir. It's uh, usually, uh, well, originally it started from the, from a paper called Quick Check. Uh, it okay. was uh, first implemented for, uh, for Haskell, but when guys uh, from Elixir team implemented it in the library called Stream Data, it, uh, this library, they say, will be included in the next version of Elixir. It's 1.7, but uh, it's possible to use already, uh, like this library is possible to use already today. That's yeah, I think we did a JavaScript Jabber episode on property-based testing with Quick Check or something similar to it. Yeah, yeah for, so. for our languages, it's called a quick check and uh, the implementation exists for many other languages. I found for Ruby, there is one for Clojure and a lot of them. So do you set this up then alongside your regular test suite or can so, you use this instead of your test suite? How, how exactly does that work? It's, it's not replacement to the unit tests. Uh, I would say it's like additional to, uh, to unit tests. For example, with property-based testing, you cannot check if, for example, this substring is not included in, in the string you're testing. So for these cases, uh, you need to apply unit, unit test uh, mm -hmm. as well. So it only allows you uh, to test for, for true. For, and um, it can be slower, but uh, for unit tests, I believe it should be very fast. and. Uh, if if your test operates with database, for example, yeah, I believe it can be very slow. But uh, uh, in, in most cases, cases it's possible to run locally a couple of times, up to ten, and then on CI server, way more. Yeah, and unless you were like actually testing a property of a database interaction, it's doubtful that you would quick test something that that needed to talk to the database. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you might actually try to mock out that piece that's talking to the database just to keep it in more pure Elixir to be faster. Yeah, we really, really a bunch of ways. So one of the questions I have, because property testing, I'm sorry, property testing is one of those things that I am interested in and would love to be able to add to uh, like my skill belt. And one of the difficulties I have is knowing where to get started. So I know there's different Elixir libraries, there's been talks. Where would you point people to, to say, this is a good place to get started? Because, I mean, you aren't very far down that path, right? You've, you've been doing this, you've learned about it in April. So how did you get started and, and what, what would you recommend to others? 
Yeah, so I would probably start from Stream Data Library. It has perfect documentation and a bunch of examples. Uh, if you want to go deeper and learn about history behind of this, I would recommend to read the Quick Check paper, which is written for Haskell, but it explains the idea behind this. And um, uh, I found also one uh, website called propertesting.com and it contains several categories, several pages describing it more closely, I would say. It, it's, uh, it's a library called PropR. It's for Erlang, but uh, the description it's fit, fits for every language. So if you want to go deeper and understand what it's exactly, so I would recommend to read this uh, web page as well. And yeah, of course, uh, there is a link uh, to uh, the talk, which I was talking about in, uh, from Elixir Conf U in April. It's called property-based uh, testing, property testing is a mindset. Uh, so it also explains a lot about this uh, library. Great, thank you. So one thing that I, I look at this and I think, okay, I like to do TDD when I can. And so I'll start writing unit tests and then I'll start writing code. And I'm just trying to figure out where this fits into this workflow. Do I hook it up when I'm hooking up my other test? Or is this something that I tack on after I've got it all tested and working and um, optimized and refactored and all of that good stuff? Uh in this talk from Elixir Conf, there was an example about this TD testing. And uh, usually, for example, uh, if you write a sort function, when you're doing TDD, you first think you, the first implementation of this function would be to return the same list, which is uh, not certain. And most likely it will fail for property-based testing because it will start to generate random numbers and compare them, and it will fail almost immediately. So I think it would be a better approach to apply these tests after mm -hmm. uh, you have a particular implementation, or if, if you try to, to re-implement some functionality, which you already know work, uh, what it works, and uh, you would like to replace this with, with newer functionality, you can compare the uh, the old functionality with, with new, like old function with new function, and use the generators to generate random data for these properties. I think that's it. Yeah, so um, one thing that uh, I've, I've thought would be really, really neat, and I'm, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, uh, is we have all the, so my, my canonical example is IRC as a protocol ought to have property-based tests provided with sort of the spec or generally a, a protocol ought to have property-based tests. Uh, the reason for this is because there's so many non-conforming implementations of the protocol. My example is Slack's IRC bridge uh, just isn't actually IRC. Like IRC clients that work right will, will barf themselves on some of the stuff it does. Um, have, you, have you thought about property tests in, in relation to sort of protocols like that? Uh, what are your thoughts? No, to be honest, no. I, okay. I've just, I, I didn't use it too much. I've just tried to play around with it to understand what is it. And uh, I'm thinking about using it in, in Ruby. 
but uh, yeah, mostly I just tried it and, and saw how it works and uh, read a little bit what's behind this. What are you using it on? Like, what does the project do that you're that you're initially playing around with it on? Currently, I try to implement like chat application, uh, mostly because I'm learning Elixir and I want to to use uh, functionality it provides. Uh, it and it's mostly for educational uh, goals and uh, not not for production. I know usually you need to to pick a tool for a project, but I do it our way around. I, I have a tool like Elixir and, and Phoenix, and I try to find what I can implement with it. Mostly cool. because, because I want to learn about Elixir. So, like, do you have an example of a uh, some code that you wrote that you thought was probably okay, and then once you defined sort of your invariants and wrote up your your property test, it turned out that that no, it doesn't work like you thought it did. Uh, where where is it where has it helped you, or what bugs has it found? I cannot say it helped me to to solve something because yeah, I mostly played with it. But uh, there is a YouTube video from one of a guy who wrote this quick check paper, uh, and he shows how he found uh, some some bugs in uh, some kind of messaging implementation, and uh, I would recommend to see it. And it, it's kind of nice video and it shows how exactly uh, you can you can find those uh, errors yeah and that's that's john hughes right 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 uh, my first introduction to property testing was um a video that he did uh, i've i've linked it uh, i will be in the show notes uh on what his company did with volvo for doing uh tests around sort of the, the buses in a car and uh, it was that was very cool. They found basically n- none of the uh, none of the vendors actually adhered to the specification, and the specification in a lot of cases wasn't actually valid. Like you couldn't actually adhere to the spec. Anyway, so I found that super interesting because it was you know it's a very real world thing. Like it affects all of our cars, and none of them actually did what they said on the tin. Yeah. So another case where I think property based testing is helpful is so if I help me understand if I have this right. So I can define a rule like saying this function takes a string and then the framework can help come up with a a random set of string data where maybe it's null, maybe it's, um, you know, one megabyte of string data and it can just kind of throw all this random stuff at my function and find places where I, I fall over and I have some bug that some edge case that I, I couldn't foresee. And I, I think that's part of the, the strength of it, right? That it's, you know, while we're writing these unit tests, we have a mindset of, I do want to test some edge cases. I want to make sure I can handle a nil. And I'm making sure it's handling my happy path, that it finds the code and operates the way I expect it to. But then it's like, what happens when I throw an incredible amount of data at it? You know, does, does, did the algorithms that I've written just take up a ton of time? You know, I think, is that where you see one of the strengths of property-based testing? Yes, it's, it's exactly the goal of property-based testing. It, it helps you to find the cases which you will not think of during implementation. And uh, at this video from John Hughes, uh, he had like 10, uh, 10 unit tests uh, and he was using strings from uh, like 0 and 0, 1 and etc. And... It, it worked fine, uh, but when he started throwing this random data, 
he starts noticing what for some cases it does not this function does not work well. Uh, if I remember it right, it was like encoding messages and decoding, and he was checking something around this. But yeah, you, you got it right. So once your property-based tests find a particular issue, do you go write a unit test for that, or do you just count on your property-based tests to catch it from then on? Well, if you, if you see your property-based testing fails, it, it will provide you a minimal uh, result, you, which you can use to reproduce this error. And you probably need to fix your implementation. And uh, once it's fixed, you can keep your property-based test and uh, we will just check the function again because maybe we will not found you the issue at the first run maybe it would be second and third yeah i would assume yeah. in that case i would extract a unit test just since it's going to give me the input anyway it should be trivial just yeah. to throw it and assert its output um, and then probably just keep it because it's probably an edge case that might come up later as well and if yeah. i refactor <clears throat> I would also rather keep it because if it's unit tests, kind of small functions, you are testing with property-based testing, it would be very fast in Elixir. So, yeah, I guess my question was more along the lines of if it randomly generates the inputs for the test, then I can't count on it to run the same exact test the next time around. So I'm going to want to write a unit test. Yeah, just extract the input so that I can say, oh, okay, this actually now passes because next time it may not randomly hit that same edge case. Yeah, and then, and then I think uh, a lot of people that, that run property tests, they'll have their CI nightly run, you know, a very, it generate tons of test data against it because, you know, what's that server doing? Um, and then you run a much larger, um, much larger input test uh, regularly, so you're bound to catch it eventually. I like that. So how do you build that into your CI then to make that work? It's you the same say, run, run for ten hours. I don't know. You, t you tell it how many um, how many cases to generate. Uh -huh. Okay. So how commonly is this done? I'm I'm also curious in that way because it seems like I don't know getting people to do testing in and of itself is often a challenge. So of those that are doing tests, how many are doing property based tests? I think it, it depends on the what type of, of functionality you're trying to implement. But I would rather not put it for everything. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not a silver bullet. It does not solve all the problem. It's just additional type type of tests and uh, a smoke test, if you will. If, if you need to, uh, to run a smoke test against your system, you can try to uh, use uh, property-based testing. Gotcha. One idea I think kind of makes sense to me is uh, like in the security industry, uh, like computer security, where they're doing, uh, you know, analysts, they will do fuzzing, where they're just throwing random data at, uh, at some process or application, just to try and find where there's buffer overflows, where there's uh, problems, where they can just use that to kind of start getting a wedge into, you know, breaking into an application. And I think this is not fuzzing exactly, but it has a kind of the spirit of that. And we can turn it on our own application and, you know, we're the good guy. And I think for me, it makes sense to say, you know, like to what you're saying, Chuck, that I have my application, I'm doing TDD or I'm just writing unit tests and it's in production even. And now I'm getting to that point where 
I want to scale or we're having some unreliability intermittently. We don't know why something's going wrong. Uh, you know, we have a cluster and network situations, distributed computing, whatever, you know, things are kind of getting a little weird unreliably. And yeah, our system is staying up. We got supervisors, everything's going great. We're able to re remain uh, servicing customers. But I think property-based testing then is like that tool you can bring in to say, I really want to focus and stress on this application and, and really help make it solid. And I think this is a good tool to help you do that. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's just that, okay, what did I miss? You know, where, where's the sanity check? And, you know, hopefully you hit enough of the cases, enough of the time to be aware on that stuff. Yeah, where I, where I found it interesting, again, I haven't, I've played with it all of twice, uh, property testing, so I'm not, not at all qualified to, to talk about it, but I read about it a lot. And uh, where I find it interesting is uh, when, when I see people giving examples of finding bugs in sort of stateful things. So it's one thing to find, okay, I've got a square function and it's an invariant that the result should always be equal to or greater than the input. But um, yeah, that's, that's fine. But uh, where when people are writing generators that generate like actions for like a gen server or something. Um, and they find that this sequence of events, which could correspond to a sequence of user generated events actually puts it in a, you know, a state that is not valid or, you know, not part of the invariant. Um, that, that seems like the most interesting part to me. And that also tends to be the parts of my system where I'm, you know, least comfortable, the more state I have in a thing, the less comfortable I am that, uh, it's, it's solid essentially. So, um, I'd love to, I'd love to look through some examples of, of people doing that rather than just, you know, I've watched a few talks, but I haven't seen any really solid walkthroughs of sort of stateful property testing. In those talk uh, in, uh, from a conference, there is a small piece of a speech which says about stateful property testing. And uh, um, the example was about, I forgot it's, uh, I think live, live it's, it's a Google database for a key value store. And, uh, we was using property-based testing to find some issues with it. We also mentioned what we uh, worked uh, towards API for uh, state, uh, stateful uh, property-based testing, but it will not be included in the next version of Elixir, but maybe later someday. Well, that is news to me. And I, hadn't, I didn't realize stream data was, uh, was going to get into Elixir. So that's also neat to know. So are there any tricks to making this particularly effective? I mean, are there ways for you to, I don't know, seed the, um, the random number generator or, I don't know, um, you know, give it a specific range of values that you always wanted to check or things like that? Yeah, you can apply conditions on top of these generators. Uh, for example, uh, to generate numbers less than the value you are providing or, or greater than zero. And the uh, stream library contains the function called map, which uh, you can apply on, on the, this stream of generated data and, and transform it somehow. For example, uh, if you generate integers, you can uh, apply a function ABS and make them positive all the time. And it's also possible to, to combine those generators and build your own. For example, if you want a list with integers and the flat numbers, you can do mm -hmm. these as well. Are there generally uh, accepted 
best practices for this. I hate the term best practices, but I think we all get the idea. I haven't heard about them, but I think it's pretty new for Elixir, so maybe it's not established yet. Mm-hmm. Is there another angle on this that we should talk about before we get to picks? Or so I have I have one question, which is: Have you seen anyone using uh, using property based tests to to drive sort of at a higher level something like user interaction? So rather than hey, I've generated a a bunch of integers that are going to go into this uh, function, something like hey, I generated say a series of API calls that I'm going to send to my API, or a series of browser interactions with uh, something like Wallaby. Um, have you have you seen any of that? I know I've I've seen some people talk about it, but I again this is one of those things where I don't I don't get to see any actual code where people have done the thing unless I see a snippet in a talk. I, I haven't saw this, but one of example uh, from the talk was also if you want to test your API calls, you can generate also random um, parameters and run them, and for example, expect from API to have. Uh, results as uh, 200 only and 404 something like this. I think it's the only example I can remember. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to picks. Uh, Josh, do you want to start us off with picks? Yeah, and this time I'll actually go with relevant picks uh, just because this is still something I have on my list of things to play with but haven't really dug in. Yeah, so the first one uh, I've, I've linked already, it's John Hughes' talk about doing quick check around Volvo. Um, and it's a really cool talk. It was my first introduction, and I, I still like it a lot. I've watched it maybe three times. And then uh, Fred Bear's PropertTesting.com, which is just a site about property-based tests in Erlang, but obviously it applies to Elixir as well. Um, and then on a non-computer-related note, having just moved into my house, uh, Movers, because I didn't, I didn't pick them this time, and I should have. Yeah, Movers are – I've never actually moved with Movers, but I bet it's uh, really nice. It would have given me all of yesterday back because I was incapacitated. Cool. Uh, Mark, what are your picks? I'm going to pick the Elixir in Action book by Sasha Yurik. It was one of the books that uh, really helped me get my head into Elixir. And it still remains one of my favorites that I refer back to when I'm looking up uh, different esoteric parts of the language. So Elixir in Action, Sasha Yurik. Awesome. Um, I'm going to jump in with a few picks. Um, I picked this on Ruby Rogue, so if you heard it, sorry. But I don't have a two-year-old in my lap while I'm picking it this time, so there you go. And that is the book, Crucial Accountability. Now, I went and I bought a bunch of books on Audible, and so I've just been going back through and listening to the ones that I bought but never listened to. And uh, yeah, um, been enjoying that. So um, they have another book. It's called Crucial Conversations. I haven't read that one yet or listened to that one yet. Um, but it, I think it's, uh, not the next on my list, but the one after, but, uh, crucial accountability was really great. It talks about how to approach people who are failing to meet your, or meet their commitments. And so it could be things like, um, you know, your boss is, uh, you know, they commit to help you out with a project and then they never do, or you notice a problem in the way that your work things at work function, or you realize that there's a particular issue with the way that your significant other or somebody you live with deals with things. And so it talks about how to form those conversations around those issues so that you can actually um, have a a well-formed, well-thought-out conversation about it. And they talk about, you know, 
when you get into sort of the danger zones, right? Because if you talk about something that somebody else is doing that you don't like, um, a lot of times they can take that personally. And so it talks about, you know, disarming that and creating an area of safety and things like that. So there are all these different things that kind of uh, come around to that. And uh, anyway, it was it was a really, really interesting uh, listen. And for me, I mean, in my life, there aren't that many people that really I have to have that kind of a conversation with. But I found myself just, you know, with my kids, um, you know, I asked them to clean up the house while I was doing this podcast because my wife uh, took off for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, and so I, I found myself using some of the techniques because <laughs> they didn't get the house clean. So anyway, it was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I recommend that. And I think I think a lot of times we kind of back away from and or sugarcoat things that we really ought to just have a real conversation about and make commitments to do better and help other people make commitments to do better. So anyway, that's my pick. Um, Vitaly, what are your picks? Yeah, my, my pick for today, it's probably a piece of advice for people who say, uh, I have no time to implement something or I have no time to learn something. I have a bunch of friends who say so. Well, it's not 100% true. Uh, if you try to review your day, you will probably find a time for stuff which is more important for you. You probably need to just prioritize it better. And the key is uh, consistency. So you need to, to move to your goal like every day, even if it's half an hour. Well, in one year, it would be a lot of time if you will look back. So just try to find time and try to go, go towards your goal. I agree with awesome. that. Yep. That's awesome. Yep, it's absolutely true. And one, one thing that's interesting about that is that the more I look at and read about uh, successful people, the more I realize that they do this. This is something that they um, are very deliberate about the way that they do it. So, Yes, I know with uh, having small children in the house or around you, it can make um, having blocks of time very difficult. And as programmers, we need to be able to have uh, time that we can actually focus, you know, where it's not interrupted in at least 15 minute chunks, right? And so one of the things I do is I have to get up early. I get up before everybody mm -hmm. else so I can have that time that's uninterrupted. But yes, I agree. It's like we, so thank you for bringing up that pick. Yeah, exactly. I do the same. I I've, uh, wake up early and I'm free to do my stuff. Yeah, I do the same thing. And what I found is uh, some people do it after their kids go to bed, but I find that that's when my wife and I want to spend time together. So that's why I get up early. But if, you know, if your life is arranged such that evenings are better, do that. All right. Well, uh, Vitaly, if people want to check out your, your blog or Twitter or Facebook or anything, or not Facebook, Twitter or GitHub or anything like that, where do they go? Uh, so my Twitter is CK3G. It's short and easy to remember, I believe. And uh, my blog is called whatdidilearn.info. And uh, yeah, I, I post stuff uh, into my blog like once a week. That's how I try to be disciplined and keep consistency. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.